You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Listen, for the Christian, home isn't where the heart is. Home is where Jesus is. Isn't that true? You say, what am I talking about? Well, think about it. If he, that is Christ, is not leading us when we move, where we settle, we're spiritual wanderers, the truth be told. Even when we're entrenched in comfort and possessions. It's crazy to think that there are so many great life lessons to learn from studying a man who lived thousands of years ago. But it's true. The life of Jacob mirrors our lives today so well down to the decisions he made in where to live with his family. Today in his message, Pastor Mike shows us how our decisions can have good or bad consequences down the road. Pastor Mike warns us to not focus on our comfort but rather on where God might be calling us for our good and to bring glory to God. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 34 as he begins his message, Blessings and Warnings. I remember what you said You return that I might live In my Turn with me, if you will, to chapter 34 in the book of Genesis. Okay, this morning's message, the title is Lessons and Warnings. Lessons and Warnings. And we're pretty much we're going to go through the entire chapter uh, 34 here in the book of Genesis, but I just want to highlight a couple of verses. We'll be going back and forth, so just kind of stay with me. Let's begin in verse 1. So Genesis chapter 34, beginning in verse 1. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, who happened to be one of the two wives of Jacob, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her. In other words, she was raped. His soul was strongly attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. And so Shechem spoke to his father Hamar, saying, Get me this young woman as a wife. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter. Now his sons were with his livestock in the field, and so Jacob held his peace until they came. So actually, the negotiations for what is about to take place, that is for the hand of Dinah, so that this woman would actually be given 
to Shechem, the negotiations, notice, were left to Jacob's son and not Jacob himself. So hang on to that thought. Now let's jump ahead here in chapter 34 to verses 13 through 18. But the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamor, his father, and spoke deceitfully. So notice that carefully. You might want to even underline that word deceitfully because there now is a plan underway. So Shechem, who had just raped their sister, will get his just deserves. So again, we are told he spoke deceitfully because he had defiled Dinah, their sister. And they said to him, we cannot do this thing to give our sister. Now, this is a part of the plot. This is a part of the plan. To one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a reproach to us. But on this condition, we will consent to you. If you will become as we are, if every male of you is circumcised, that is every male within that city, the city of Shechem. The city had actually taken the name of Shechem. Then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters to us, and we will dwell with you, and we will become one people. But if you will not heed us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughters and be gone. And their words pleased Hamar and Shechem and Hamar's son. Okay, now let's jump ahead to verse 24, verses 24 through 29. And all who went out of the gate of his city heeded Hamor and Shechem his son, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of his city. Now it came to pass on the third day when they were in pain that two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all of the males." And they killed Hamar and Shechem, his son, with the edge of the sword, and took Dinah from Shechem's house and went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. They took their sheep, their oxen, their donkeys, what was in the city and what was in the field, and all of their wealth. All their little ones and their wives they took captive and they plundered even all that was in the houses. Let's begin in a word of prayer. Father, we pray now that you would bless our time together as we treat this chapter here in the book of Genesis. Lord, you've been so faithful to speak to us and to minister to us all of these months since we began this origin series. And so, Lord, we anticipate and expect that you will continue to do your work in our hearts and our lives this morning. Father, as we are gathered together on your special day to honor you, to worship you, to learn of you, Lord, minister to each one in a very relevant and personal and practical kind of a way. God, we thank you. And now, Lord, settle our hearts. Help us to thoroughly enjoy the remainder of our time together this morning. I pray that each one would feel very comfortable being here, realizing that they're amongst friends. Lord, as we just sit at your feet and learn of you. God, we pray that there would be a special anointing upon your word as it goes forward. Lord, we ask that the gifts of the Holy Spirit would also be in operation during this time in the areas of wisdom and knowledge and prophecy. God, speak to us. Now, God, give us ears to hear. And we thank you again, for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So once again, this morning's message, the title is Lessons and Warnings. 
Okay, so what's chapter 34 all about? Well, it is the shameful record of the rape of a 14 or 15-year-old girl, Dinah, Jacob's daughter, but then also the bloody revenge by her brothers, Jacob's sons, upon innocent non-participants. Not every man within the city of Shechem participated in the rape of Jacob's daughter, Dinah. But the entire city of Shechem, right, all of them, outside of Shechem himself, were innocent. And so it is the story of evil and ugliness. It's quite a chapter. And certainly it would be easy to pass over. I mean, you know, at first glance, if I was just going through, and as we are, we're going through this book of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and as I come to chapter 34 and I'm preparing and planning, you know, the message for this Sunday, you know, man, do, do we really need to read this chapter? Do we really need to study it? Are there any lessons for us contained within it that we should learn? I mean, it's really the story of evil and ugliness. I, I mean, why bother? What could we possibly learn here from chapter 34? In fact, uh, I don't know if you knew this, just a little bit of Genesis trivia, but it is conspicuously absent in many commentaries of the Bible. I mean, some of my favorite authors, guys like A.W. Pink, his commentary is considered one of the great classics that have been written on the book of Genesis. He completely passes over chapter 34 altogether. So this chapter is conspicuously absent in many of the commentaries that have been written on the book of Genesis. So here's the question. How then can anything worthwhile be drawn from this chapter? But folks, indeed, we can. You see, it provides both lessons and warnings on how and how not to live our lives. Now, this chapter before us sheds great light upon the sins of humanity. These are some of the things that we're going to be able to take away from our study this morning here in chapter 34. Let me say it again. This chapter before us sheds great light upon the sins of humanity, as well as the wickedness that can be present in the hearts and the lives of God's people, right? I mean, think about it. You have two different parties here that are participating in everything that's recorded for us here in this chapter. You have the Hivites, right? But then also you have Jacob's sons. So two different groups, two different parties to consider. And so as we study this chapter, we find the words of Paul that's recorded for us in 2 Timothy in chapter 3 in verses 16 and 17 to be so very true, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, teaching, rebuke, correction, and instruction. Okay, so with that said, that sort of sets the platform for this morning's study, some of the background. What are the lessons that we should take away from this chapter this morning? What are the lessons that are served up for us here to learn? What are the lessons? Well, there are five of them. The first of which is home 
is where the Lord is. Let me say that again. Home is where the Lord is. Now, to affirm this truth, we have to go back to the previous chapter. That would be chapter 33. We've already gone through it in its entirety, where Jacob makes the mistake of settling down in Shechem rather than in Bethel. And remember what Bethel was all about and what Bethel represented. It was the place of worship. It was there that Abraham had erected the altar. It was a prescribed place of worship. But notice, Jacob went back to the land of Canaan. He didn't set up his home there in Bethel, the place of worship that was prescribed by God himself, but rather went to Shechem. Notice there in chapter 33, just go back quickly to verse 18. It says, Then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. At least he's back in the land of Canaan, right? Where he should have been in the first place. When he came from Pandan Aram, and he pitched his tent before the city. Okay, now listen. If we had the opportunity to be able to interview Jacob and ask him a few questions... Like, for example, why Shechem, Jacob? I mean, why not settle in Bethel? Why Shechem? Well, more than likely, Jacob would have responded to that question and said, well, you know what? I don't want to be real close to Esau, my brother. You know, he's a hothead, and his intentions are uncertain, In fact, he might change his mind and follow through with his vow that he had made as soon as our father Isaac had died to kill me. Now, I've probably lost some of you if you haven't been here for the last couple of weeks. But remember, Jacob had ripped off his brother Esau's birthright as well as the patriarchal blessing. And because of that, Esau swore a vow as soon as my father Isaac dies, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been seeing all of the particulars and all of the details of how finally they they come together. Esau is on his way with 400 armed men to make good on the vow that he had swore, only to find that they embraced one another, they kissed one another. God intervened on behalf of Jacob, and that relationship was restored, remember? So maybe that's one of the ways that Jacob would respond to that question. Why Shechem, and why not Bethel? Or, well, I have all of these herds now. God has blessed me. He's increased my flocks and cattle, and they need good pastures. And listen, there's no better place, no better fields in the entire region than Shechem. Or also, he might have responded, well, you know, we've been nomads for such a long time, We just need to settle down in an area that isn't all that populated. Notice, go back to chapter 33 and verses 19 and 20. So there we are told, And he bought the parcel of land where he had pitched his tent from the children of Hamar, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. Then he erected an altar there and called it El-O-O-He, Israel, that is, the God of of Israel. You see, Jacob thought that his pilgrimage was over. I mean, he's back in the land of Canaan, where he should have been. 
He was making his own little nest, if you will, settling in. And he thought to himself, he wouldn't ever have to leave the land again. But gang, how wrong he was. He thought, as so many people do today, home is where the heart is. How many times have you heard that expression used? Home is where the heart is. What does that even mean? Well, basically it means I'm close to the things that I enjoy. The things that make my life a little bit easier. But listen to me, that phrase, home is where the heart is, beware. Because remember what Jeremiah said in chapter 17 and verse 9. He told us that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things and beyond cure. He should have appealed unto God, who would have certainly directed him to the place that he wanted him to live in, to set up his home. Listen, for the Christian, home isn't where the heart is. Home is where Jesus is. Isn't that true? You say, what am I talking about? Well, think about it. If he, that is Christ, is not leading us when we move, where we settle, we're spiritual wanderers, the truth be told, even when we're entrenched in comfort and possessions. Maybe, yes, your life is a little bit easier, you know. But nevertheless, you could still be a Christian wanderer, a spiritual wanderer. So why do you choose to live where you live? I want you to think about that for a moment. Well, someone might respond and say, it's, you know, it's a good neighborhood. It's very attractive. And it's centrally located for me. That means that it would be an easy commute for me to get into the city to go to work. Or I just like the neighborhood, the right kind of neighbors and friends for our children. And by the way, all of these things are good. Don't misunderstand. I'm not putting these things down. All of these are noble ambitions. But we must realize that we do not have the wisdom to choose in such matters. You see, spiritual issues are more important. What am I talking about? Well, you know, you can have all of those things that I've just suggested, but just make sure that there's a good church nearby as well. Because spiritual things are more important than physical things, than temporal things. We're talking about an eternal focus here. A good church, fellowship, opportunities for Christian service within your community. Is this, you, so you should be asking yourself the question, is this where the Lord wants me? Where I can best serve Him? Where I can best learn of Him? Those, if you're making a list of priorities on where you choose to live, those things should be at the very top of the list. Listen home, folks. Make no mistake about this. Home is where the Lord is. You know, if Jacob would have recognized that, his daughter Dinah would have never been raped. Think about that. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. So that's the first lesson. The next lesson we learn from this chapter is that parents have to keep close tabs on their children. Here, notice in verse 1, we're told Jacob's daughter, Dinah, got into trouble when she went out to visit the women of the land, which ultimately led to her being raped. 
But here's the questions that I want to put to you. Could she be blamed for this? Was she looking for trouble? I don't think so. And by the way, you know, this isn't something that I have in my notes, but we need to be very careful about the places that we go to. You know, sometimes we as Christians put ourselves on the enemy's ground. And when we place ourselves in that position, be careful, because the, the devil will seek to reach out and grab you, and you can be sure of that. You know, Christians just certainly have no place being in certain places. Once you put yourself in a position where you're on his turf, on his ground, you're subjecting yourself to being attacked by the devil. And so don't blame anyone except yourself for doing it. So we need to be really careful about the places that we frequent. And so please take that to heart the next time on a Friday after work and your fellow employees ask you to join them at the local bar you know, on the corner, close to your places of employment. Just be very careful about those things. Just something to, to think about, right? Because Christians just don't have any business whatsoever being in places where they shouldn't be. You're just subjecting yourself to being attacked by uh, the devil. Okay, so, again, the question. Could she be blamed for this? Was she looking for trouble? Well, personally, I don't think so. You see, she lived near the city, the city of Shechem. She wanted to see it, right? She was drawn to it. Oh, the bright lights. And she needed companionship. Remember, she had 11 brothers. They must have made her life extremely difficult. And you know how brothers can be, right, gals? 11 brothers. So she was probably looking for friends looking for friendship, and at that age, remember, she's a teenager now, she's more than likely only like 14 or 15 years old, at that age, teenagers want to be seen, and they want to see and be seen. And Dinah was no exception. Something that I wanted to pass along to you. Recently, some new discoveries were made concerning the workings of the brain. Those findings have been released. And they found that the side of the brain that lends itself to caution and carefulness was quite different between a youth and an adult. In the youth, it hadn't been fully developed. And therefore, there was an absence of those kinds of qualities. So the point is, is that teenagers are not always capable of making good choices. Eventually, they'll develop those capacities, but their brain hasn't been developed as such. And that's why parents, you know, children always don't make the right kinds of choices. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long. Here at In My Father's House, we're going through the book of Genesis, where the story of the beginning is told. God made light and said that it's good. God made plants and trees and said that it's good. God made animals on land and in the sea, and he said that it's good. And then God made man, and he said that it is very good. 
Creation didn't stop at the end of the sixth day. Creating is an inherent part of who God is and what He does. Look around you. What do you see? New plants, new trees, new animals, each one unique in how it grows. And God is still saying it is good. God is in the business of creating new people out of old ones, undoing the inherent brokenness. When you were born again, a new creation, God looked at you and said that you are very good. He has made you new and restored you to the place you were designed to fill. You've been listening to In My Father's House with Pastor Mike Venizio. This is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. We'd love to see you here. You can find all the information you need, including service times, on our website, harvestnyc.org. That's harvestnyc.org. If you're listening outside of Manhattan, we'd love to know that, too. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. We hope you'll come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than in my father's house.